You are listening to John Diard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news and Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom. In this episode, Dr. John talks weight loss, diet, and digestion. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I'd like to talk to you today about Ayurvedic weight loss. Ayurveda is India's traditional system of medicine. It's 5,000 years old. Translated, it means the science of life, and really, it's how to live your life in harmony with the natural cycles. We talk about losing weight. Living your life in harmony with the natural cycles is critical. You know, most of us are under so much stress that the body chemically is being told to store fat. So if we're going to get your body to lose weight, we have to convince your body that the war is over, that life is not an emergency. Now, we're told that we should eat six meals a day. When we do that, we really never give the body a chance to burn its fat. If you have breakfast and then a snack and then lunch and a snack and supper and a snack and then bed, the body is being fed every two or three hours and you basically burn what you just ate and you never have a chance to actually burn your fat. The only way you burn fat is when you give your body a chance. If you have nothing from breakfast all the way to lunch, In between breakfast and lunch, you burn fat. In between lunch and supper, if you have nothing, no snacks, you burn fat. In between supper and bed, you burn fat. You wake up, have breakfast, and you break the fast with breakfast. When we were kids, we had supper at 5.30 at night, and then nothing all the way until 7 in the morning. We were fasting for 13 hours of our day, fasting, burning fat, resetting our blood sugar, Here's what fat does when you burn it. It resets your blood sugar so your mood is stable. You feel more calm. It's long burning fuel so you're not hungry every two or three hours. It detoxifies you. It burns the fat so you do lose weight. There are even molecules of emotion which are fat soluble that are actually turned over and detoxified out of your body so we're not kind of emotionally doing the same dumb stuff again and again and again. And all of you know who are out there who are trying to lose weight, there's an emotional component. So we did a study on this in Denver, and we had our group eat breakfast, lunch, supper, bed with no snacks. And of course, everybody was like, no snacks, I have to have my snack. But once they got used to having breakfast with nothing till lunch, lunch, nothing till supper, supper, nothing to bed, I said, you can eat whatever you like, but just start out with a good breakfast, a good lunch, and a good supper, and within two weeks, We measured their anxiety, depression, cravings, fatigue, exhaustion, and insomnia, and they were significantly improved. In addition to that, they lost 1.2 pounds throughout the entire study. So to get started in your Ayurvedic weight loss program, what I'd like you to do is start having a good breakfast, make it big enough to get you to lunch with no hunger pangs, and have a good relaxing lunch in the middle of the day, and have nothing all the way till supper, have a good supper, and then go to bed. Three meals a day, no snacks. This, you can read more about this in my book, The Three Season Diet, and I invite you to, to uh, take a look at my website. There's articles about, web, uh, about weight loss that you can look at, and uh, if you want more information about how to lose weight, there's lots more available to you. My name is Dr. John Duyard. Thanks for listening. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I want to talk to you today about the difference between three meals a day and six meals a day. You know when you eat three meals a day, you have breakfast, and then you have nothing till lunch, and then you have lunch and nothing till supper, and then supper, nothing till bed or breakfast the next morning. In between breakfast and lunch, you burn fat. In between lunch 
and supper you burn fat. And then from supper all the way to breakfast, you break the fast with breakfast. So the body becomes a really good fat burner. Fat is calm fuel, stable fuel, non-emergency fuel. Helps you sleep through the night fuel. When you have six meals a day, you have a tendency to have a meal and a snack and then a meal. So if you have a meal and then a carrot and then, a me and then another meal, then in between those meals you burn the carrot. If you have lunch and then an apple or some nuts as a snack in the afternoon and then supper, in between lunch and supper you burn the apple. It's not terrible, apple and nuts and carrots are great snacks, but you didn't burn your fat that day. So the goal for us, particularly in our culture, we're being bombarded with sugars and carbohydrates which spike the blood sugar. It's such an amazing time where our blood sugars are so fragile. I mean, diabetes is epidemic. Pre-diabetes is affecting over a third of the American population. 90% of the people who have pre-diabetes today as we speak don't even know it according to the CDC. So these are really big issues, just to make sure that we get back to a regular way of life. Now, the people who promote the uh, six meal a day plan say that, that when you eat little meals all day long, meal, snack, meal, snack, meal, snack, you increase metabolism, you increase thermogenesis, you lose weight better. Well, in the article associated with this video, I cite the research that really disputes that. There, there really is no thermogenesis. There is no increased metabolism that supports weight loss. It really doesn't happen. Uh, they say that you'll have less appetite if you eat little meals throughout the day. Well, that was disputed by the American Dietary Association who said that oftentimes what happens is people have the tendency to overeat six times a day, which is the last thing that we want to do. Plus, gosh, you know, eating three good meals a day, relaxing, taking time, but that's enough of a hassle to think about that, to have to think about six meals a day. I, I feel like that's overwhelming. You know, and the other piece of the puzzle with eating six meals a day is that, they say, is it balances your blood sugar so you don't have the highs and lows. Now this is true. If you look in the textbooks of medicine, you'll see that if you eat, uh, have hypoglycemia, that you will be recommended to eat instead of having big, huge spikes of blood sugar, high and low. That's what hypoglycemia is. When the blood sugar goes up from a cup of coffee and then crashes and you can't open your eyes and you need another cup of coffee or Coke or chocolate or candy, that's hypoglycemia, the highs and the lows of the blood sugar. Eating six meals a day will give you little tiny meals all day long so you never actually run the risk of actually crashing because you're feeding yourself every two to three hours. So that works great for hypoglycemia, but we have diagnosed America as hypoglycemic and telling everybody six meals a day. And the problem with that is when you eat six meals a day, the body becomes conditioned to getting fed every two to three hours. And when you get fed every two to three hours, God forbid you miss a meal, you crash and burn, you're all of a sudden exhausted, you can't handle the stress, your mood is, is, is uh, up and down. And, and what's worse is you find that, I have a lot of patients that come to me and they say, boy, I, I was hypoglycemic, I was depressed and anxious, I went on the six meal a day plan, I felt better. But then I started noticing that I was hungry all the time. I used to be hungry, you know, just a couple of three times a day, but now I'm always hungry. And my problems, which when a blood sugar was really high and low, and I got three, six meals a day, it felt a little bit better, but now I started to feel, after about four to six months, even more fragile. My blood sugar became more unstable. Um, my moods became more unstable. So I think short term, it's a great medicine, but long term, it's not a way of life. Never has been. You know, hunter-gatherers didn't eat six meals a day. Go in the woods and walk around for a day or two and, and come back and just tell me how many meals that you ate. 
It's not possible to get six meals a day when we're walking from nature. It was feast or famine. We had the ability to make energy last. And because we have food all over, all the time, food in every corner, we've lost that ability to be a good fat burner, and we've got to get it back because diabetes is epidemic, and, and, it's, and it's affecting so many of us that we don't even realize it. So it's really critically important. And there's been studies that show that when you eat six meals a day, it tends to create insulin spikes which is dangerous because if you do it enough, the insulin levels stay high enough and then the sugar in your blood is being driven into your cells and your cells eventually say, I can't take any more sugar. It's like when you eat too much chocolate or too much candy, you're like, I can't even look at another piece of licorice. It's that way in your cells and the cells become resistant. And now you have blood sugar issues because the blood sugar builds up in your bloodstream and that's the pre-diabetic or diabetic condition. We don't want to let that happen. So please, Think about the difference between three and six meals a day. Make three meals count. Read the article associated with this video where I tell you all about the research and more details about this very important you know, concept of having three good, healthy meals per day. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Briard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Briard. I want to talk to you today about understanding gluten and actually how to digest it. Now gluten is actually just a very hard to digest protein and it should be broken down in the stomach acid, the hydrochloric acid in the stomach. But if you don't have great digestive fire, which a lot of people don't, then that gluten will go undigested into the intestinal tract and it will irritate the intestinal wall, inflame the intestinal wall, cause reactive mucus production in the intestinal wall, which disturbs the microbiology. It'll actually separate the villi, go through, cause leaky gut syndrome and all types of lymphatic, congestive, tiredness, brain fog kinds of conditions. And I, and I describe that digestive imbalance in many of my articles and videos on, on digestion from the Ayurvedic perspective. Before we just say that gluten is this terrible thing that we should just avoid like the plague, maybe we should try to reboot or investigate the possibility that the digestion could be actually out of balance and we're letting other undigested proteins go into the intestinal tract that could be causing problems as well. Not to mention the fact that our world is covered with mercury from the cold mine plumes that cover all of America that drop down on every organic vegetable that are extremely difficult to digest. And if you can't digest wheat or dairy, for example, hard to digest proteins, you're actually at risk for not digesting and processing and detoxifying some of the more hard to digest and process environmental chemicals and pollutants. So it's really smart for us to at least give it a go to reset digestive strength and see if you can in fact digest gluten again and be a better digester and therefore a much better detoxifier. Now it makes no difference whether you eat gluten or not in your life. It is not a requirement for good health. It maybe tastes good, but it is by no means a requirement. So I am not here saying we should all eat gluten. I don't care. It's not needed or requirement, but I look at gluten sensitivity in many cases, many times folks who don't have celiac or have real serious problems, they can learn to redigest it again by rebooting their digestive tract. I see it clinically day in and day out, so I know it can happen. Lots of folks that I'm really talking to are the ones when they're 18 years old, they could eat gluten and it was no problem, and today they can't. What happened? 
Was it the gluten that's changed? Yes, it's gone from a, a, a grain that was grown and harvested once a year to now two and three times a year. It's hybridized to be sweeter and have a higher glycemic index. Yes, it can be all of that. But it's still, you know, from the Ayurvedic perspective, gluten was harvested in the fall for winter eating. That's when you ate it. It wasn't every single day, three times a day for 20, 30 years, 365 days a year. It was really a seasonal food. So from that perspective, it wouldn't be in such abundance to create such an irritant. It wouldn't be such an overwhelming part of digest food to bog down the digestive system. So anyway, I've written an article here with 10 powerful tips to learn how to reset your digestive strength. What happens to most of us, and we know, I'll give you kind of an overview. We know that we're under huge amounts of stress. We know that that stress goes, plows through our intestinal tract. 95% of our serotonin is in our gut. All of our good bugs have a real tough time under a lot of stress, and they um, tend to kind of become less during uh, stressful times. We know that the intestinal tract actually trains toxins through the intestinal tract to the lymphatic system. If that process becomes boggy and your lymph becomes congested, you can get a lot of the symptoms that we see with gluten sensitivity. Those toxins will then default back to your liver. This is where it gets exciting. When the toxins go to your liver, instead of being processed out through your lymph, we're talking about fat-soluble toxins, they congest your liver. They congest your bile. Your bile becomes thick and viscous and heavy. It doesn't metabolize the fats nearly as well, deliver the fat-soluble vitamins nearly as well, to actually break down the fat-soluble toxins, the mercury, the parasites, the, the, the environmental pollutants and pesticides aren't being broken down the way they should. And they get pushed into our fat cells, even our brain, and that's not a good thing down the road 20, 30 years. And that's what we're talking about, is resetting digestive strength for the future. Because you're all feeling sort of okay now. I can take the gluten out of my diet, feel great. And I'm talking about the toxins that are building up in your body 10, 20, 30 years from now. When the bile isn't moving because of the default of the toxins back to the liver, the digestive fire, your acid, needs a buffer. And the major buffer for that acid is your pancreatic enzymes and your bile. And if the bile isn't flowing well, and in 91% of the people, the pancreatic enzyme tube and the bile tube are connected. So if the bile is thick and viscous, there goes your enzymes. And that's why everybody says take your digestive enzymes because chances are your bile ducts congested, blocking both the enzymes and the bile, both of which neutralize your acid in your stomach. And if your stomach sees there's no bile or pancreatic enzymes to neutralize the acid, one of two things are gonna happen. Number one, the body will say, hold on to that acid and don't let it leave until they get their bile act together and you get heartburn and indigestion. Or the stomach says, you know what? They're not making any bile down there. Turn off the fire and your digestive fire goes out. And that leaves you predisposed to being unable to digest hard to digest proteins of many kinds. Your soy, nuts, seeds, dairy, casein, and of course your gluten, many of which we call the allergenic foods. So maybe if we would just try to understand this process and reset it, which is what I talk about in this article, how to actually do that. And I actually haven't um, written, I don't think I've written so clearly, step-by-step -step, step process of how to take advantage of all the things we can do to reset our digestive strength and then have a fighting chance to digest gluten again before we throw in the towel and take that food out of our diet forever. Maybe we have a digestive strength weakness that is predisposing us 
to the inability to, to detoxify well. And that's the scariest part. Gluten's not the issue here. Digestive strength, which is your detox pathways, those are the issues we want to solve and we want to make sure. And you can either eat gluten or not, doesn't matter. There's lots of studies that say it's this terrible thing. I don't care. But as a measure of your digestive and detox strength, it's got value. So thanks for listening. Please check out this article and just see if we can get that digestive power back to where it was when you were a kid. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Peter. This recording is brought to you by Life Spa, where ancient Ayurvedic wisdom meets modern science. Get access to free health video newsletters by Dr. John at lifespa.com. Hi, my name is Dr. John Biard, and I want to talk to you today about how to reset your fat burners. Now, I want to make it clear that I am not about losing weight, that we have to lose weight and become a skinny society. That's not my point. The point is, is that we as a culture have lost our ability to be good fat burners. And fat is a very important source of fuel. There's two sources of fuel that we have in our body. One is carbohydrates and sugar, and the other is fat. And we've been told for 30 years that fats are bad and to eat a low fat diet. And we've been fed a lot of carbohydrates and we've sort of created an imbalance in the kinds of fuel that we're ingesting and therefore burning. So when I say reset your fat burners, I mean let's reset the fat burning so we become healthier. Fat is calm fuel. Sugar is like this. Fat is stable fuel, long-lasting fuel, sleep through the night fuel. Helps you detoxify. It actually neutralizes the acidity in your body when you burn fat. It stimulates lymphatic drainage and the detoxification pathways in your body when you burn fat. It releases from the Ayurvedic perspective and even some Western science, old molecules of emotion from your fat cells so we can actually have more clarity and awareness of what our crazy mind is doing and make some changes there on a mental and an emotional level. So fat is just a very important source of fuel and it doesn't matter whether you're skinny or fat, you gotta be a good fat burner. How do you know if you're a good fat burner? Can you make energy go from breakfast to lunch, from lunch to supper, from supper to bed, to breakfast without having a snack? That's really step one. You know, traditional ancient humans were able to go days without food. In fact, I was reading a study not long ago that showed that when we don't eat, we don't only survive. We're not genetically wired to survive when we have famine and we don't have food for a few days. We actually thrive. The cells, the, 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 the nucleus of the cells trigger a genetic response to that lack of food that makes the cells live longer and produce more energy. So that's just a crazy concept that when we don't have food, we don't just survive, we thrive. So the idea of being a good fat burner is exactly what happens when we don't eat food. So you know, one of the best ways to not eat, to help us be good fat burners is to eat three meals a day with no snacks. That's sort of like the golden rule. Not a lot of nibbling and nibbling and nibbling. Otherwise, why would the body burn fat if you give it meal, snack, meal, snack? Why would the body burn fat when you feed it every two to three hours? You want the body to burn fat? And we do. You want to give it a reason to go from breakfast to lunch, from lunch to supper, from supper to bed or breakfast so without having a snack. So you are forcing the body to burn its own fat. That's a, a real critical piece of the puzzle. So. Um, there are other things you can do. There, and I want to mention some interesting, fun things that actually help the body reset fat burners. 
grapefruits. Remember the old grapefruit diets? Well, they've been shown to actually increase fat metabolism and support stable blood sugar. So they are really, really good foods. Water, why? Interesting thing, by drinking lots of water, it increases your thermogenesis, which is your metabolism, by 24%, according to one study. So just drinking water has a huge effect. Ayurvedically, we always say, let's have a big glass of water about 15, 20 minutes prior to the meal. The stomach is lined with a bicarbonate layer, which is 80% water. If you prehydrate your stomach before you start producing digestive acids and things, and you prehydrate, the stomach goes, whoa, I have all this water, all these buffers. I can therefore make a lot of acid and digest a lot of hard to digest foods. Very, very important to stay hydrated and prehydrate yourself. You know, sourdough bread, interestingly enough, is made from a culture, and those cultures have good bacteria. They help break down the gluten. And in one study showed that it's been shown to stabilize insulin levels. High insulin levels mean that we store fat, we don't burn it. That's very, very important. Vinegar and lemon juice on your salad before the meal. Again, great ways to, to reduce the, the end after meal, blood sugar spikes and after meal insulin spikes. Again, great support for becoming a really good fat burner. Maybe one of the best spices of all to put on your food is turmeric. Turmeric's been shown to support healthy blood sugar levels, healthy insulin levels, healthy weight. It's been shown to su support uh, healthy cholesterol levels. Stuff's sort of amazing. And the old recipe of taking curry was 16 parts turmeric and one part black pepper. Very important combination. Increases the absorption of the turmeric in one study by 2,000%. So make sure you add a little black pepper when you take your turmeric. That's really important. Ayurveda also says that we must stay hydrated in addition to, to drinking water to sip hot water throughout the day. This is an old detoxification technique. And one of the ways that it works is we are, are, you know, many of us feel like we drink so much water, but it just goes right through us. If you were to pour water, cold water, room temperature water on a hard piece of leather, it would just run off. But if you pour hot water on there, the leather would begin to soften. And in a similar way, the more hot water, plain old hot water, the more of the tissues soften and hydrate. And that creates better function Again, increases thermogenesis, like the other study with water, by 24%. That helps the body reset fat burners and, of course, helps the body hydrate and therefore detoxify you know, that much more efficiently. Elimination, so critical. If you want to help the body burn fat, you've got to get it out of the body. And that's done by increasing your fiber content. Hunter-gatherers got 100 grams of fiber per day. We get 20. So we need to increase our fiber content. The best sources of fiber are nuts, seeds, uh, fruits and vegetables, and beans. Beans are, are super high in fiber. And if you have trouble keeping your elimination going, please you know, look at an herb called triphala. Triphala is a bowel tonifier. It really helps move the waste down and out of the body in a more efficient way. Uh, beets. Beets are bile movers. The bile is like a Pac-Man in your body, Pac-Manning toxic chemicals. And if you eat some fat, all that Pac-Man toxins with the bile go into your intestinal tract. If you have enough fiber, all that bile goes to the toilet. If you don't have enough fiber, up to 94% of that bile goes back to your liver. So beets will help to increase bile flow and make sure that you, and it has the fiber, if you take the whole beet, not just the beet juice, and take that fiber and the bile and everything right to the toilet. Very, very important. And an old Ayurvedic, technique is raw honey. 
really the old-fashioned raw honey, has been shown to actually have a scrubbing effect on the body and a stabilizing effect on the body. Of course, this has to be done at very, very small quantities, and it's done with people who have healthy blood sugar levels. But raw honey was considered a medicine in Ayurvedic times. And uh, so a very small amount of raw honey can be very useful as well. Um, in the article associated with this video, I cite a lot of the research that supports some of these fat burning techniques, so please check that out. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I'd like to talk to you today about a permanent solution to cravings. You know, a craving is nothing more than your body running out of gas. When you crave sweet or chocolate or a cola or a cup of coffee, usually means you're out of gas and you're looking for energy. When the blood sugar starts to fall, this is an emergency response to your body. In an emergency, the body produces stress-fighting hormones, which are toxic and disease-producing. And then the body says, I need an emergency source of energy to get me out of that hole, to be safe again, and what goes up must come crashing down. And when it goes crashing down, we find ourselves without energy again, craving another sweet, a candy or a Coke or some type of, of injection of some sort. This creates a chemistry where the body in the emergency response says, store the fat and crave me some quick energy. Well, when we continue to do that, we store fat, we gain weight. And as a culture, we have started to gain weight excessively. Weight gain is the number one risk factor for diabetes, the number one risk factor for cardiovascular disease. We have, as a culture, lost our ability to become good fat burners. And what I want to talk to you about today in this video, and in the article associated with this video, is how to become and reset the ability to become a great fat burner and eradicate cravings once and for all. I also want to talk to you about an herb that actually literally is named the sugar destroyer because of its ability to actually block the ability for us to taste and absorb sweet. Eradicates cravings, completely suppresses the ability to taste the sweet and crave the sweet and resets blood sugar in an amazing fashion. This is the Ayurvedic herb that is, that is known for thousands of years to bring cravings back into balance and your blood sugar back into balance. Now, we have been told for the last 10 years that we should eat six meals a day to stabilize our blood sugar. If we eat six meals a day, our metabolism will stay up and we'll never gain weight. If we eat six meals a day, we'll never store any fat. We'll only burn what we need and we won't store any fat and therefore we'll never gain weight. This whole concept of six meals a day has been in vain to help us not gain weight. But the problem is, is that the body wasn't designed to keep the metabolism up. That exhausts us. And in exhaustion, the body says, store fat, crave me more sugar. When the body is revved up the, and eating six meals a day, the digestion never gets a break. The digestive system is designed to be on, cook the food, and then rest. And we deplete our ability and destroy, really, our ability to digest food well by nibbling all day long. The body is designed to eat a large amount of food and make energy last. If you were a farmer 100 years ago, there's no way that you were eating every two to three hours. You had a very large meal and we made energy last. That was the way it was hundreds of years ago and it's the way it is today in most cultures around the world. We, because food is everywhere, 
We don't want to stop and cook the food. We're too busy. We have been told to eat six little meals a day. This six meal a day diet is, a mess, is, is basically a medicinal diet for hypoglycemia. When, when the blood sugars are really high and low, we're told in a medicinal sense to have six meals a day to get the blood sugars to start to stabilize just a little. But it doesn't actually reset the body to burn fat. And fat is your calm fuel, your stable fuel, your non-emergency non fuel. It's the fuel that lasts long and burns slow and gives you great endurance and makes your mood stable. It neutralizes the acid in your body, which is a waste product of stress-fighting, disease-producing hormones. It stimulates lymphatic flow and drainage and detoxification in your body. It actually releases molecules of emotion that we store in our fat cells that remotely make us think and do the same dumb things again and again and again and again in our lives. So fat is so much more important than just losing weight. And to manipulate our bodies to burn fat by eating six meals a day has caused some significant side effects. Most importantly, it's left us deconditioned to make energy last and stabilize our blood sugar. The solution to this is to eat three good meals per day. We did a study on this back in year 2000 based on my book, The Three Season Diet. And we had people eat breakfast, lunch, supper, bed. They were eating six meals a day. We asked them to go to three. We said, please make breakfast a good meal, big enough, and whatever you need to get you from breakfast to lunch without needing any snack, from lunch to supper without needing a snack, and from supper to bed without needing a snack. We measured their anxiety, depression, cravings, fatigue, and exhaustion, and in just two weeks, they were all significantly improved. Their cravings were eradicated. Their sleep was better. Their mood was more stable. And they lost 1.2 pounds per week during the entire study. When you eat breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, supper, snack, what happens is the body never has a reason to burn fat. Why would I burn my fat stores when they feed me every two hours? I just burn what they feed me. But if I want to burn fat, I've got to give the body a reason. So give the body a meal and then nothing between breakfast and lunch and I'll burn fat in between. If I have a carrot between breakfast and lunch, I'm just going to burn the carrot. Now that's a very healthy snack, nothing wrong with it, but I didn't burn fat that day. If I want to burn fat, have breakfast, nothing to lunch, lunch, nothing to supper, supper, nothing to bed. In between those meals, you'll reset fat metabolism, stable mood, and zero cravings and permanently eradicate cravings. Now, many of us will say, gosh, I can't do that. My blood sugar is too unstable. So maybe start with four meals and work your way down to three meals. Now, in addition to that, there is an herb that is designed to reset our ability to burn fat and stabilize our blood sugar. It's called Gymnema sylvester. Uh, locally, it's called Gurmar. Gurmar literally means the sugar destroyer. And at LiveSpot, I designed a formula using the sugar destroyer, using the, the Gymnema sylvester as an herb to reset the ability to burn fat and stabilize blood sugar. The Gurmar, if you put a little bit of that herb on your tongue and then eat a Snickers bar, you literally won't taste it. It blocks your ability to absorb the sugar on your tongue. It blocks the ability for you to absorb the sugar in your intestinal tract. It literally blocks your ability to take in sugar and therefore you don't crave it. 
because it completely stops the absorption and the craving and the desire for it. It actually builds the, and it helps increase the production of islet cells and beta cells in your pancreas so your pancreas can function and produce insulin in a more effective way. It's been studied again and again and again for its ability to lower the needs of insulin for insulin-dependent diabetics. It's been shown to balance both hypoglycemia, low blood sugar, and hyperglycemia diabetes. It's not an herb that actually just symptomatically brings your blood sugar down or up. It literally brings the blood sugar in balance. It rejuvenates your pancreatic function and allows your blood sugar to reset itself. And that's an herb that we call intelligent. We combine that herb with, a, with an herb called Shilajit, which is an herb that we use to help the body deal with insulin resistance, which is one of the reasons why we really crave things is because the cells have been bombarded with sugar for so long that the cells resist the ability to uptake any more sugar. And when you tie these two herbs together, we create an amazing ability for this insulin resistance to be broken down and reset the cell's ability to take a normal amount of sugar back into the cell and reset a stable blood sugar pattern. So please go to my website, read the article associated with this video that talks in detail about the lifestyle modifications that you can make to permanently eradicate and control your cravings and learn more about this herb called the sugar destroyer to help reset the islet cells in your pancreas to stabilize your insulin levels, stabilize your blood sugar and eradicate your cravings. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Driard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Driard. I want to talk to you today about how we can begin to digest like an 18 year old again. I have many patients come to me and they say, you know, I used to have a cast iron stomach. I used to never gain weight. I used to have the greatest digestive system and now I don't seem to digest well. The foods irritate me. They give me bloating and gas and cause all kinds of problems. And I want to talk to you about some of the strategies of how to bring your digestive system back into balance and some of the concepts that are really important for us to understand. And probably the most important to understand, and I've talked about this, is that we process our stress through our intestinal tract. We now know that 95% of your serotonin is in your gut, all the microbes that make the neurotransmitters are in your gut, and when you're under a lot of stress, your good bugs go south, the villi of your intestinal tract go south, either get constipated or you don't go to the bathroom well, or you produce extra reactive mucus, which you can, if you see mucus in your stool, sort of a deal breaker. That means you have extra mucus, which are flattening out your villi, comp compromising digestive assimilation and absorption. Sometimes you produce just enough mucus to get you to poop good, so everything goes good, but your belly starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and that's the lymph around your gut getting really congested. It's called gut associated lymphatic tissue and it gets congested and becomes problematic and that's where 80 percent of your immune system lies so we definitely have to understand lymph and i've written and talked a lot about the lymphatic system how important it is to understand and evaluate that but if that intestinal tract that large intestine gets a little yucky and gets congested toxins are going to default right back to your liver 
particularly when there's mucus there or it's dried out from constipation and it can't absorb into the lymph the way it's supposed to go, where all the white blood cells are to protect and, and take out any toxins that move through the intestinal wall. The default is for all that to go back to your liver. And your liver goes, well, wait a minute, I just dumped those toxins into the intestinal tract to be processed and now all of a sudden they're back. Over time, the liver pushes those toxins into the blood, your fat, your brain, your tissues, joints, creates more problems, toxic problems. And also the bile in the liver becomes thicker and more viscous. And therefore, the bile regulates the regularity of your stool. So now all of a sudden, my constipation is worse. I never had that before. The bile scrubs the intestinal mucosa and keeps them clean and supports the health of the good microbiology. It escorts toxins like cholesterols to the toilet and gets it out of your body, but if that bile is congested or thick or viscous, then we begin to have problems and we begin to have toxins beginning to accumulate. And the, the bile also is a buffer for the acid in your stomach, don't forget. So it's very important to realize that if you don't have good bile flow, yeah, you're not gonna digest fats, you're not gonna eat greasy fried food probably because you don't feel good when you do, so you just don't eat it. Totally a good idea, but an indicator that your digestive bile flow has sort of gone south. Your scrubbing, your Pac-Man of toxins in your liver has sort of gone south, but we don't eat that much fat in our diet anymore anyway, so we don't really notice it as much. But slowly but surely, our liver congests and is unable to neutralize the acid in your stomach, and now a couple of things happen. The acid will stay in your stomach longer, linger, cause heartburn and occasional irritation in your stomach. And over time, the stomach goes, you know, I don't think they're ever going to make the bile like they used to down there. So I don't know what to do. I can't just hold on to this acid forever. It's burning a hole in my tummy, and that's causing problems. And if I let it go, it'll burn a hole in the small intestine. That could be bad. So the stomach just turns down the fire, and our digestive fire becomes weak. So the kingpin in all of this is understanding your bile flow. In other words, if you don't have a good bile flow, and it's an epidemic, people have gallbladders taken out routinely today as if the gallbladder had no value. It's very important for us to realize that we have to rehab our gallbladder. So some tips for gallbladder rehab. Uh, beets are some of my favorite bile movers. Getting, if you feel like you have some sluggishness around your regularity, you feel like you eat some greasy food, you feel a little sick to your stomach or it doesn't digest well or foods just sit there with you eat too much, this is oftentimes a bile issue. Even occasional acid or heartburn in your stomach can be because there's not enough bile to neutralize the acid and the acid is lingering in your stomach. So beets become very, very important for that. Fenugreek tea, great tea to drink to support better bile flow as well. Um, a little bit of olive oil, good quality olive oil with a little bit of lemon juice before you go to bed can actually encourage bile flow. Like one tablespoon of olive oil and one teaspoon of lemon juice, shake it up and drink it down before you go to bed. This way at night your gallbladder is contracting to force some good bile flow. Of course, all of your leafy greens are, are incredibly important as well. So those are some really easy to do things to support your bile flow and get that to work. And of course, you know, so many other things like, like um, exercising and doing yoga supports the, you know, particularly exercise like doing back bends and, and, and um, 
extension postures to open up this rib cage right in here, they are incredibly valuable. And then one thing that most Americans are, they're dehydrated. And rehydrating yourself is very important because your stomach has a layer underneath the stomach lining. It's a buffer layer to buffer the acids and it's 80% water. And if you don't have enough water in your system and there's no buffer to buffer the acids, your stomach just won't make it. The acid and if there's no acid then the body will say I don't need any bile to buffer the, the acid that they're not producing so why bother but if you increase and prehydrate your stomach lining prior to the meal and good studies show that when you drink a big glass of water half hour before the meal prehydrate your stomach lining people lose weight their metabolic index goes down they feel better they digest more efficiently there's good studies to support that which is really interesting so prior to meal half hour drink a big glass of water not with your meal but prior to the meal to prehydrate that'll force acid production which will produce bile flow and again kick in the bile flow for you and again once that bile starts to kick in it improves your ability to detoxify and regulate your bowel function so please check out uh, i wrote a whole article about strategies to help your bile flow and help to reset your digestion and get you to begin to digest like an 18 year old once again thanks for listening please check out the article associated with this video Take care. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I want to talk to you today about trans fats. Yep, there are still lots of hidden trans fats in our diet. Now, we all know trans fats are bad. I mean, the FDA in, in uh, January of 2008 required every food company to label the amount of trans fats that are in every food. We know it's bad when, they, when the FDA steps in. Researchers from Harvard say that upwards of tens of thousands of heart attacks are related to trans fats per year. Other researchers say even hundreds of thousands of heart attack deaths are related to trans fats. One researcher from Harvard said that if you replace 2% only of the foods you eat from carbohydrates with trans fats, it's just 2% that you increase your heart attack risk by 93%. So we know that they're bad. When the FDA required labeling, they said anything under a half a gram of trans fats can still say zero trans fats. Well, if you have a bag of potato chips and the serving size is like 10 chips and you kind of go a little crazy on them, which, which uh, lots of people can't eat, just eat one, um, you end up exceeding uh, what the American Heart Association says is an acceptable level of trans fats per day, which is just two grams per day. And that's an arbitrary number. Nobody knows really for sure how many are good and how many are bad. We, we know that they're all bad, but nobody knows how bad they really are and at what level they begin to do significant damage. So the trans fats are there in the foods that somehow overnight were able to say zero trans fat. Did that kind of shock you that all of a sudden the same food one day had a zero trans fat label on it? Some companies clearly had made adjustments, but many of them still carry those trans fats. So they're hidden in there. We must be aware of that. Secondly, most importantly, is restaurants, fast food chains, bakeries, your coffee house pastries. They have no requirements for labeling the trans fats. Anything cooked in oil, a pastry, breads, croissants, uh, fried food, french fries, all of these are loaded with trans fats and there's no measurement of how many that you're getting when you eat out. And this is the dangerous part. The FDA or the American Heart Association thinks that people get on average about 12 
grams of trans fats per day. That's a significant number, and we can do better than that with awareness. Now, in the article associated with this video, I do list all the foods that still tend to have trans fats in them. So you can, when you go to a restaurant or wherever you go when you go shopping, you can avoid those kinds of foods. So please, be aware of the hidden trans fats. They still exist. When it says zero trans fats, don't be fooled, they're there. When you go to a restaurant, they're there too, and they are cumulative damage to your liver, and they definitely are linked directly to heart disease, which is the number one killer in America. Now, <clears throat> real quick, what is a trans fat? A trans fat is a man-made fat. You take a fatty acid chain, and what they do is they drive hydrogens in it to saturate it. It's called hydrogenation. And that saturates the fat and makes it super stable so it doesn't go bad or doesn't go rancid. It can stay on the shelf for a really long time. The problem with trans fats is that what happens is the, the bonds, the double bonds, are on each side of the trans fat. So they balance and they keep the chain very, very straight. So there's like a toothpick. It's like stacking a bunch of toothpicks. When they stack, they stick. When they stick, they clump. When they clump, they become hard. And hard fats in your bloodstream is a dangerous road to hoe. We don't want that. Now, a natural oil, which is called cis fatty acids versus trans fatty acid, cis fats are natural. <clears throat> and in nature, the double bonds are on the same sides. And they don't like each other. So they repel against each other. And they bend the fatty acid. So the fatty acid is bent. So they don't stack good. They are, they are like stacking a bunch of clothes hangers from your closet. They stick and they push away and they repel each other and therefore they stay thin in your blood. They don't clump or stick. <clears throat> so that's why, so you know why they're bad, because they literally are, are designed, kind of anatomically designed to stick together and clump and cause heart disease. So please read the article associated with this video and learn more about these hidden traps. Find out where they are, and please do your best to avoid them. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and welcome to our series on perfecting digestion. This is a series of three video newsletters, the first being 10 Tips to Perfect Digestion with Lifestyle, second being 10 Tips to Perfect Your Digestion with Herbs, and the third, 10 Tips to Perfect Your Digestion with Food. Today we're going to talk about the top three tips for uh, lifestyle tips to perfect digestion. The other seven tips will be in the article associated with this video, so don't miss them. But the top three, first one being eat three meals per day, no snacks. When you eat meal, snack, meal, snack, meal, snack, the body burns a meal and a snack and a meal and a snack. And we want the body to burn fat. We have lost the ability to burn fat as a culture because we eat all the time and we eat lots of sugary foods that give us only short bursts of energy that we need to eat again and again and again. Fat is long-lasting fuel, sleep through the night fuel, non-emergency fuel. It's a fuel that, that is an endurance-lasting fuel. When you burn fat, you're a good fat burner. The toxins in our environment that make all the trouble are fat-soluble. When you don't digest fats well, you don't detoxify fats well because your digestion and your detox pathways are relatively the same. So when you have a meal and a snack and a meal and a snack, number one, you get used to eating a meal and a snack and a meal and a snack and you have to then eat every two to three hours. But more importantly, from the digestive perspective, we lose the ability to be good fat burners. You have a meal and a breakfast and then a carrot and then lunch, 
Carrot's not unhealthy, it's just that you didn't burn your fat that day. But if you have a meal for breakfast and then nothing till lunch, in between breakfast and lunch, you burn fat. So the more you can give your body good, healthy meals um, and make them last through the day to the next meal, you're gonna burn fat in between. That's a huge piece of the reset and perfect your digestion puzzle. The second one is when you eat those meals, second tip is to relax and take time and eat your food. We know Ayurvedically that's a big deal, sit down, relax, and dine. They say eat standing up, death looks over your shoulder. We now know that when you're under a lot of stress, that that triggers what's called parasympathetic or, or sympathetic activity, fight or flight stress in your nervous system, and that literally turns off your digestive system. When you are relaxed and calm, it really allows the, the parasympathetic calming nervous system to engage, and that system actually turns on your digestion. So when you sit down and relax, you actually are literally turning on your digestive process. When you actually are stressed out and eating on the run, you're literally actually engaging in a fight or flight nervous system response, which is turning off your digestive response. So this is very simple. Sit down, relax, take time, eat your food. We know when you're stressed out, your, your, your microbes that are very important for digestion uh, become uh, um, depleted. And, and when you're relaxed and you're calm and joyful, the, the good bugs actually flourish and propagate. So that's very important as well. The third tip is to eat with the seasons, lifestyle tip. When, you know, I, I reported on a, a report from the book called The Forest Unseen, where this man took a square meter of the forest and, and uh, watched it for a year and every little thing that happened and wrote about it. And uh, I guess a deer ate on his little meter and he talked about deer and he said that when deer eat bark in the winter, they have microbes to support the ability to digest bark in the winter more difficult to digest bark, so we have better digesting microbes in the winter. In the summer, uh, they have microbes to digest leaves. They're super easy to digest. And if they were to eat the bark in the summer when they don't have the digestive microbes to do it, they would create such a level of indigestion it could literally kill them. Well, um, if, so what we're basically saying is that if the deer eat out of season, they die. We eat out of season all the time for our whole life, and we're sort of still here but are we thriving? Are we doing as good as we could do? When we think about optimal health, does it really matter that, that, that we eat in season? We now know that the microbes change from one season to the next season to the next season to support digestion, immunity, strength, dissipating heat, depending on what the season calls for. Uh, we also know that, that when you eat organic foods, there's lots more microbes on those foods. Not just we eat organic to get rid of the pesticides, we eat organic to get the good microbes that are in season to support what nature is trying to do to support either our digestion or our immunity or the, the, our skin protective factors from the sun or heat uh, dissipating factors that we need in the summertime. It's so many things that we don't really understand that these microbes do to protect us, but we do know that they change dramatically from season to season. The plants take the microbes from the dirt, they put them into the plant, we eat them, and they become our microbiome, and it changes dramatically from season to season. That is the short story of why we should eat with the season, but very, very powerful as well. There are seven more powerful lifestyle tips that I, wanna, that I want you to take a look at in terms of how to perfect your digestion. Uh, go to my, the video article associated with this video at lifespot.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. 
Hi, my name is Dr. John DeYard, and welcome to our second uh, video newsletter on how to perfect your digestion. This video newsletter is all about how to use herbs to perfect digestion, and I'm going to go over the top five herbs to help perfect your digestion, starting with your intestinal tract. Uh, you know, many of us have issues with how we eliminate, how well we eliminate, and one of the best herbs to help tonify the intestinal tract is an herb called triphala. Triphala is an herb that has three fruits in it. Uh, one, amalaki sort of heals and repairs the intestinal wall. Bibikaki sort of pulls the mucus uh, off the, the villi, cleans out the villi. And harataki strengthens the contraction of the, uh, of the intestinal wall. Very, very important trio. I find that it's a great herb to get people moving. It's not that easy to get off of it. So what I do is I add licorice and slippery elm to that. We have a formula called Elim Number One, which does that, which has a little bit of demulcent, slimy herbs to sort of lubricate the intestinal tract. Because of, as a result of all the stress that we're under, our intestinal tract mucosa tend to dry out. And that doesn't do great things for the intestinal mucosa. As a result, it can make the intestinal tract irritated and it can get dried out and constipated. Um, or it can cause reactive mucus production, and that can kind of bog out and flatten down the villi, which isn't so good for our absorption of nutrition or our ability to detoxify. And I actually use the herb amalaki, uh, which is one of the herbs in triphala, to actually repair the intestinal wall damage, particularly when I actually see mucus in the stool. When I see mucus in the stool, that means we have a lot of irritation, a lot of inflammation, and amalaki is a phenomenal herb for that. Also, I'll use a tea with slippery elm, marshmallow root, and licorice root together that we, we chop and, and these herbs and, and boil them down from two quarts to uh, a, a, a half a quart. And then you have this thick, viscous tea that you take throughout the day. Super sliming agent for the intestinal wall. Also acts as a prebiotic. And the third tip uh, for your intestinal health there also is understanding the microbiology in your intestinal tract, and there are there are uh, transient and colonizing microbes. Very few of the uh, probiotics that I see in the market actually have any research behind them. Uh, the one that I like is one called Bifidobacteria HN019, which has been shown to actually adhere to the gut wall and actually uh, uh, poop out waste that other microbes will actually eat and actually deliver what's called microbial diversity, which means that you have the more bugs that you have of different kinds in your intestinal tract, you have this resiliency in your intestinal microbiome to protect you against all types of different imbalances or threats that come into your intestines. Um, we have a lot of what are called, according to the research, these kind of uh, space-occupying microbes that take up real estate but don't really do a lot of good stuff or a lot of bad stuff. And you want to uh, have, uh, when you take a probiotic, one that actually sticks to the gut wall to help make some space, basically, for the good microbes to proliferate. That's what we really want to do is build back our diversity. So that's critically important. So whenever you're looking at probiotics, please look for ones that are colonizing. I've got a bunch of research on my website. You can read more about probiotics and what types are good and which ones are the colonizing ones. I've written a lot of articles about that. So please check that out. Um, 
And then also uh, maybe the most important piece of the digestive puzzle is what I like to call the most important half inch in your body. And I've written an article, it literally called that. And it's the villi on the inside of your gut wall where it meets the lymph on the outside of your gut wall. And the outside is called the gut associated lymphatic tissue. And in that relation between villi and lymph on the outside is where they, researchers say about 80% of our immune system lies. And if our lymph system gets congested, it's basically our drains of moving waste out and our immunity. And if that gets compromised, toxins are going to build up in tissues and joints, in skin, create a lot of heaviness and tiredness and swelling and toxicity in the body. But also the toxins will default then back to your liver and cause a whole nother set of problems where now the liver is doing the job for what the lymph should have done and the liver is overwhelmed saying, my God, what should I be doing? So you wanna make sure your lymph system is really working and the best herb for that is called, that I believe is called Mangista. And Mangista is a lymphatic uh, destagnating herbs, a blood purifying herbs. It's also a powerful antioxidant. Works great for the lymphatic system to get it to drain uh, very, very well. Very important herb. Uh, hydration, probably really, and exercise, those three top three things for getting your lymphatic system to move are also really, really important. And then the last tip for today um, is bile flow. When those toxins are, are not getting out through the lymph because they're and they're getting reabsorbed back to your liver. The liver's going, ah, this is way too much for me. I don't really want this. And the liver becomes congested. The bile becomes thick. So ways to kind of decongest your bile. Fenugreek uh, is a great herb for that. Beets are really good for that. Um, also, uh, if you really have congested bile, you can get bile salts, which actually are what your bile is made up of. And that actually does and try to kickstart your, your gallbladder uh, to produce more bile on its own. Also, you know, bile is required to be produced when you eat fats. So getting good, healthier fats in your diet can also help as well. Those are the top five herbs for digestion. There's five more related to increasing uh, pancreatic enzyme digestive ability, uh, duodenal enzyme digestibility, turning on your stomach, and kind of revamping our ability to digest in a more complete fashion. So don't miss the other five in the article associated with this video. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard and welcome to our final video newsletter in our series on perfecting digestion. In this video, we're gonna talk about foods to help reset and perfect your digestion. Uh, there's a very detailed article associated with this video, as well as the whole series looking at herbs to perfect the digestion and lifestyle tips to perfect digestion. I highly recommend you watch all of them so you can get a handle on perfecting your digestive system. So to start with your intestinal tract, we know that we process stress through our gut. It dries out the intestinal tract. Foods that lubricate, soothe, and tonify the intestinal wall, very valuable for intestinal health. Uh, my favorites, chia seeds and flax seeds, loaded with essential fatty acids, loaded with fiber, support intestinal health. Also, the essential fatty acids support food, uh, the health of the microbes. They're food for the microbes. Very, very important that we give the intestinal uh, wall good essential fatty acids because our microbes feed on them. Uh, it's leafy greens while their uh, insoluble fibers have lots of magnesium to support the contractibility of the intestinal wall and the intestinal health. Very, very important as well. Beans, high fibrous foods, fiber helps you go to the bathroom. We, we've all heard that. So high beans are high in fiber, uh, very important. 
Prunes, if you really need to go, have a, have a very gentle laxative on their skin and high fiber on the inside. So those are some great intestinal um, agents to support good intestinal elimination. Why we want to do it in a kind and gentle way is because the microbes are there and, and they're gentle and they're very delicate and we have to take care of them. In fact, we live for them. They're the 90% of us. So we really have to be aware that that's what we're really, in fact, doing. Fermented foods were, are great ways to get more diverse uh, microbes, probiotics into your intestinal tract, but they're very acidic. So taking lots of probiotics and a 20-ounce jar of kombucha in the summertime if it's very hot and you're a hot body type, that can be actually not the greatest idea. Fermented foods were used to be were, were, made, were used to preserve vegetables through the winter when it's cold and we, we need a little bit of extra heat and it's okay. So it's very seasonal. So but even, regardless of the season, it's always a small amount, a condiment size amount of fermented foods. And, um, and that will make sure that you don't overheat or create an imbalance by actually taking too many fermented foods. Very important. On the outside of your intestinal wall is your lymphatic system. That's where you know we drain our waste, our immune system is there. It is very important. I wrote an article called The Most Important Half Inch in Your Body, and it's where the little villi meet the lymph on the outside of the gut wall called the gut-associated lymph. Things that move your lymph are anything that makes your skin turn red, like that were traditionally used as red dyes, beets, cranberries, uh, any type of berry, all of them are red in nature and they are really great lymphatic movers and you'll see them being harvested in the spring and the fall when we really want that lymphatic cleansing and you know impact. So that's very powerful. Hydration, really important. Sipping hot water, drinking lots of water, the lymph needs to be hydrated. Skin brushing, a great support for the skin associated lymph which can be you know very, very healthy and very valuable. And one of my favorite techniques for lymph is fennel tea. Fennel, throw a bunch of fennel seeds in a pot, boil it up, and you know, add or take out as many fennel seeds as you like to make it taste the way you like it. But fennel is a fantastic lymphatic mover. If the lymph is congested, then the intestinal tract is boggy, toxins default to your liver, and we got to decongest your liver. Foods for the liver. Historically, we, we Americans would go in the spring and dig up bitter roots like burdock and dandelion and put them in teas and drink and eat these foods because they were powerful liver decongestors. So very, very important. Foods that are actually decongest your bile, um, very, very important. Uh, radishes, celery, olives, artichokes. These are all your, your bile-moving foods in addition to your leafy green vegetables. Very, very important. Um, on the other side of, the, of, your, of your stomach uh, is your pancreas. They're, your pancreas and gallbladder sort of team up to help support better digestion. And we do need to support pancreatic health, blood sugar health, and there's many things that can do that. Um, you know, cinnamon, one of the most well-documented ways to support blood sugar health. Believe it or not, coffee has been well documented to support blood sugar health. Lots of good studies there. Um, your uh, soluble or your um, in, your soluble fibers, like oatmeal, block the absorption of sugars into the intestinal. They slow it down so you don't get that big surge and peak and spike of your of your blood sugar. Blueberries, avocados, chia seeds, all these great great foods for your. For your blood sugar and they're very 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 important turning your stomach fire back on my favorite might be ginger to turn your acid acid strength back on um, the classic uh, ayurvedic approach for that is cumin 
coriander, and fennel seeds. Three spices to turn your digestive fire on. In fact, we have a product called uh, Gentle Digest, which is cumin, coriander, fennel, ginger, and cardamom. That's a powerful Ayurvedic package to reboot your, your stomach fire, bile flow, duodenal pancreatic enzyme flow, intestinal health, lymph flow, and reset the entire digestive system. So that's a pretty cool, really simple way of getting it done. And you can make a tea out of all that and drink that along the way to reboot your digestion. So there's some, some good strategies. There's a really comprehensive article associated with this video so you can go detail by detail on what foods you need to reboot and strengthen what aspect of your digestive system. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this series on how to perfect your digestive system. This recording is brought to you by LifeSpa, where ancient Ayurvedic wisdom meets modern science. Get access to free health video newsletters by Dr. John at LifeSpa.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.